Thank you for listening to this sermon from Redeemer Church. We pray that as you listen to this message, that your heart would be softened, your ears would be opened, and your affections for Jesus would be stirred. We pray that through the Holy Spirit, you would look more like Jesus and know Him more as we strive to be a gospel-centered, disciple-making family together in Wichita Falls. introduced a question, how do we grow? How do we grow up into maturity? What does that look like? How do we grow in the Lord? How do we grow spiritually? If you're a Christian in this room right now, this should be the question that you are wrestling with day in and day out as you try to, here's this word that is used a lot in the KJV, but only used a little bit in John 15. How do we abide in him? How do we abide in him? And so what the Bible is so clear about is abiding in the Lord produces, produces character, produces uh, supernatural character change within your life. What the Bible desires for every single Christian in this room, it actually desires your maturity. It desires the life that you really want for yourself. And you probably, probably think, oh, it, it, the Bible wants me to be happy and healthy and wealthy and um, prosperous. Well, yes and no. Yes and no. The real thing that you want and I want, if you think about it, is we want to grow into a person that we actually admire. We want to grow into a person that is filled with joy. Right? Don't you want that for yourself? You want to grow into a person that is gentle no matter what the circumstances come, uh, come, come about. You want to grow into a kind person, a loving person, a patient person, someone that has self-control no matter whether you're in a large group or all by yourself. This is the type of person you and I want to turn into and what the Bible is actually expressing, what John 15 in particular is teaching us today is that you can become that person in one way and one way only, through connection to the vine. Only through connection to Jesus. And so this is a amazing, it's actually an amazing analogy of what spiritual maturity in, in life with God actually looks like. It's a branch connected off of a vine. If you've ever seen uh, a honeysuckle uh, grow, you, you know that there is a, a, a major vine that's coming out of the ground. And if you've seen this on a trellis, typically uh, the vine dresser or the gardener, uh, some, some of you probably use that vernacular more, more common than a vine dresser, will weave it through a trellis. And then there will be a million branches and these honeysuckles will come, come um, out of them and they'll just fill up this entire trellis. This is actually in my backyard right now. I've killed it, but it once was in my backyard, all right? Uh, but I killed it. You know, I killed it. I accidentally, while I was weed eating, nicked the, the true vine. I, I cut the vine out, and then everything, everything died. Why? Why did everything die whenever I cut the vine? Because everything was getting its life source from the vine. Uh, the, the branches had no power in themselves to produce vi- vitality or life or health. They were all drawing from, they were all receiving their power from, from the vine. And this is the analogy that God has given us of what growth 
in connection to the soil of God's love, the connection into God himself actually looks like. There's several modern examples that if you're just like, man, you were talking about vines and stuff, and I'm just not into like dirt and stuff, so I don't know what you were talking about whatsoever. Well, uh, another modern example would be our heart, our human heart is like a plug. I got this from a guy named J.D. Greer. He says that the human heart is like a plug looking, looking for a power source to plug into, all right? And so uh, if our hearts are the plug, Jesus is the outlet that's connecting us to the power source, all right? Does that make sense to, to most of us that uh, probably were on a computer or plugged our phone into something uh, uh, earlier t- this morning? Uh, the human heart, our hearts, are constantly looking for the power source to give us life. And the conduit to the power source is Christ and Christ alone. And this has huge implications for our understanding of what a Christian is. What does it mean to be born again? What does it mean to be born again? What does the Bible express that it means to be born again? Does it mean asking Jesus into your heart? Does it mean that uh, you finally admitted that you're a sinner to someone? Does it mean that you finally talked about your struggles with someone at this time or uh, at another time? Or... Is the, does the new birth mean that your heart has been plugged into the power source of God and his life vitality is now connected directly to you? That's what the new birth is. The new birth means that we are grafted in. We're grafted into the true vine. We are plugged into the power source, which is God himself. And so last week we talked a lot about what it meant for us to remain or abide in the vine. And this week we're going to actually shift gears, go back a couple of steps, and look primarily at verse 2. In verse 2 it says, Every branch in me, this is, uh, this is the true vine, that does not bear fruit, he, the gardener or the vine dresser, takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. There's a word that we'll talk about here in a little bit. He prunes prunes so that it will bear more fruit. See, God is the gardener. He's the gardener. And what what he does is he's constantly looking at the little branches that are coming off the true vine. And every branch that is dead, every branch that is dead, what does a good gardener do? It's like there's no need for this anymore. There's no need for this in in the life of this beautiful plant. So I'm going to... pluck it out and I'm going to bundle it up over here so it can be thrown away and burned because it has absolutely no purpose. But everything that is bearing fruit, what is he going to do? He's going to make sure that he's pruning it so that it has uh, has a, a direct highway to draw from the vine, direct highway to plug into the vine and draw, draw all of its energy and effort from that stem. This is what the good gardener does. He's just constantly looking to produce more fruit. That's what he's constantly looking, looking at. This means that, listen, one of our values as a church is to make disciples. Is to make disciples. And this is going to show us that making disciples, God, is not passive in. He's just like, ah, I gave you a mission. And I guess uh, it's up to you guys. It's just totally up to y'all. I, I, I'm really, I, y'all, y'all heard my command. Either obey it or don't obey it. No, 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 no. God is the gardener. And he's constantly pruning. He's constantly taking away. He's constantly bundling up branches. Why? So that, so that the true vine, the true plant, our our very lives 
can be clearly seen that we're connected to the vine, distinguished, distinguished from the deadness of the world. Distinguished from the deadness of the world. So we see two things that God does, and this is what we're going to talk about today. Two things that God does as the gardener in this analogy of the branches and the vine connected to the lifeblood of life. The first thing that he does is he removes fruitless branches. And the second thing he does is he prunes fruitful branches. So he, he removes the dead ones and he pr- prunes the good ones. So the, the, let me present it this way. The big question for the day is this. Are you cosmetically connected to the vine? Are you vitally connected to the vine? Are you cosmetically connected to the vine? Cody, what are you you saying? Are you like a dead branch connected to the vine? That, yeah, in in a certain sense, it's connected to the vine, but it's not producing any fruit. There's There's no fruit that's being produced within this branch. Or are you vitally connected to the, to the vine so that you know that you have life through your, the vitality that is coursing through your veins? The, the, the life of God, is it evident? Is it evident in your life? So cosmetically, are you connected or are you connected vitally to the vine? That is our question. Because again, let me read verse 2. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, God takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. You say, Cody, what is fruit? What is fruit? What is this fruit that the Bible is constantly talking about? Well, if you go to Galatians 5, I kind of mentioned this earlier in my introduction. Galatians 5 lists off the fruits of the Spirit. The fruits of the Spirit. And this is the life that you and I really want for ourselves. We want to be loving. We want to have peace. We want to have self-control. We want to be kind. We want to be faithful to God's word. Right? Amen? Isn't that the life that you want for yourself, Christian? This is the life that every person wants for themselves. And this is the beauty of Christianity, is the offer to the life which is truly life to a world that doesn't know that they're disconnected from God doesn't know that they're only cosmetically connected and they need the vitality of God coursing through them. Because what happens a lot of times whenever we look at this fruit language is we get it twisted. We get it twisted and we try to produce our own fruit. We try to say, okay, what's the fruit that I need to do? And so we cosmetically begin to paint on the makeup of these fruits. You get what I'm trying to, trying to say here? You cosmetically try to produce, I was like, oh, I'm a loving person in this situation. Oh, I'm joyful around this friend group. Oh, I'm at peace when my bank account is at this, is at this amount. Uh, I'm self-controlled as long as I'm in the context of community. And so what we do is we begin to artificially paint on, cosmetically paint on the fruits of the Spirit. And then we say, over here... When I'm in this situation, under these circumstances, I'm loving enough that where, where God is happy with me. I'm joyful enough to where surely that's what God wants from me. And so we, we make up our own metric of what it means, what it means to bear fruit for God. Right? Don't you do this? Or is, am I just confessing my sins right here? I might just be confessing my sins, and you need to pray for me, okay? But the reality is, is we... we take 
take the examples of what we see from God and then we apply them in certain situations and then we say, surely that's enough. Right, God? Isn't this enough right over here? And instead, and instead, what we should be doing is we should be measuring the metrics, the metrics of God's fruit bearing up in our life in this way, in this way. Which one comes most unnatural to you? Which fruit of the Spirit comes most unnatural to you? The evidence that you're growing in the Lord is you choose the one that is, comes most unnatural to you in seeing how it's progressing over time. Seeing how it's progressing as you abide in the Lord, as you remain in the vine, as you're reading his word, you should be expecting. Are, are you an impatient person? Christian, listen, the power of God coursing through you whenever you are connected to the true vine, you should become patient more and more and more as you are connected to the life of the body, to the, to the life of his word, to the life of prayer. Uh, God is constantly transforming you, Christian, based on the least common denominator of whatever thing comes, whatever uh, fruit is most unnatural for you. See, we typically say, well, how am I growing in the one that's easiest for me? Compassion towards other people. I'm really good at that. So surely God's at work in me because I'm, I'm good at this. What about the area, what about being patient with those that don't see things the same way that you see them? Are you growing in that? What about kindness to those that express differ, differing political views towards you? Are you, grow, are you growing in that? Uh, wh what about self-control whenever your roommate's not around? Are you growing in that? See, this, this is true evidence. This is true evidence that the Spirit of God is growing you, is maturing you. Radical supernatural character change comes through abiding in the vine. And the way that we can know that we're growing and being connected to the vine is that we look at the, the, one, uh, the fruit of the Spirit that is least, least natural to us, and we see how we're growing in it. See, the, uh, John 15 actually mentions two of these fruits that we should be constantly growing in. Two of these fruits, and, and it's really love and faithfulness. See, Cody, I didn't see the word faithfulness in there. Uh, where, where's faithfulness in John 15? Well, if you look at John 15, verses 10 and 11, I know I didn't have Keith read these, but um, we read them last week, and they're really, really good, and they're just in line with all this. It says, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. See what he's saying? Stay in a posture of keeping my commandments. Faithfulness. That's faithfulness. Is consistently looking to God and saying, I, there's nothing I can do to earn, earn salvation from you, God. There's absolutely nothing I can do. You cast my sin as far as the east is from the west. I believe the gospel. I trust in the gospel. And, and you are good to save me. And I know that I cannot earn anything. But keep me faithfully in connection to your vine. Keep me constantly in connection to obeying the simple and plain commandments that I see in your scripture. See, this is why a Christian, listen to me, this is why a Christian doesn't need to grow, but a Christian has to grow. A, a, a Christian has to be continually growing. Because how else, how else can we obey him in the simple commands that we see constantly throughout his word? Uh, faithfulness, love, joy, these things we have to constantly grow into. And so let's kind of break these down little by little. Are you growing in love? 
Are you growing in love, Christian? Because what's interesting about this is we don't get to define what love is according to this passage. We don't get to define it. You say, well, you know, love is love, or love is what I, uh, through my sentiment, has decided that love is, or love is the most natural way that I express love, or love is my love language, and everyone else's love languages are weird, and I don't understand them. You know what? Like, you don't get to define love. This is what it says here. It says, you are growing in my love. You're growing in his love. Are you growing in love for God? Are you growing in your lovingness? of God. Are you growing that way? And you say, Cody, how do I know? How do I know that I'm growing in my lovingness of God? Well, how do you know that you're growing in lovingness with a spouse? See, God, God doesn't really try to confuse us or dupe us here. He doesn't have a God category and then say, nothing really applies to this. No, he has other covenantal relationships that he has placed in society and in our lives that mirror our covenantal relationship with him. They mirror it. They mirror it. And so uh, here's a question. Do you enjoy spending time with God? Are you growing in your love and commitment to spending time with God? That's how you know you're growing in his love. Is it easier for you to praise him? Is it easy? The, the, the more time you spend with him, is it easier and easier and easier to praise him? Whenever you're communicating with other people around town, are you, are you, is it getting easier for you to say, you know what, I was spending time in, with the Lord the other day and I was thinking about this and this and this. Is, is the, the teaching of the Lord in your heart co- constantly coming out of you? Is it welling up? Or at least, he said, Cody, I'm introverted. I, I, I don't do stuff like that. I don't really talk to anyone about anything, let alone like this thing that is... Uh, that you're doing right now, Cody. You, you asking me to be a preacher? No, no. I'm, I'm asking you, is the reflex of your heart to say, I want to boast in the Lord right now? In, in the good, in the bad, in the hard? Are you filtering, is the, the, the life filter that you're living in right now, filtering everything through Christ? Christ is doing this in my life. I'm operating in love for God this way or this way. Or are you saying, it's like, oh, you know, it's bad luck. You know, that thing happened. Yeah, it was a bummer. It was a bummer. And I'm just really worldly over here. Insert worldly quote over here. And, and your worldview is not really centered around the God of the Bible who made everything and is holding everything together for his good, uh, good purposes and plan. How, how are you filtering through through things. Uh, This is a question, uh, this is evidence rather of how you're growing in his love. Is it easier and easier for you to praise him? Do you enjoy spending time, time with him? Is obedience, obedience, is loving obedience to him something that thrills your heart? Is it something that thrills your heart or, or is loving obedience something that you go to God and you say, God, what else do you want from me? (laughs) You know, do you ever say that to a, a spouse? I think we all know this naturally. If you, you know, whenever you first start uh, dating someone that you really like and you know they really like you, um, you get giddy, right? I, I was never really a giddy person. But then whenever I asked out Stephanie Migrant and she said yes, heart palpitations just immediately. Uh, I started doing uh, like dances in my, in my room that I've never actually naturally done, you know, just kind of by myself and just dancing around, just a little happy, like just getting ready. You know, way too much cologne, like all this. I was, I was preparing. I was really excited. All right. 
And I think we all know naturally within our heart that that's what love, love does. It, it produces this natural joy, this natural excitement. And isn't this the type of relationship that you want with God? Perpetually thinking over and over again, like I'm excited to go to his presence. Like I'm, I'm really pumped to actually spend time with him. I'm excited on the first day of the week that I get to organize my schedule around glorifying God and making him known? Is that something that, is nat that comes natural to you? Or is it just like, man, I'm just constantly tossed to and fro and I don't know when I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to get to the end of the day. I'm going to be really tired. And I'm going to be frustrated. I'm going to feel all the shame and guilt. And then the next day I'm going to promise, lay my head on the pillow and promise can do better. And then the lather, rinse, repeat. I promised I was going to do it this time. It didn't happen because this meeting came up. And then, uh, then I, I, I said to myself, oh man, I should have read, read my Bible. And I try to open up the app and I just feel so, so much shame and guilt. And I close the app and I'm just frustrated. Or are you excited to say, you know what, Jesus? I'm coming back to the heart of worship. I'm coming back to the, to the sense that whenever I'm meeting with you, there is no condemnation for me. There's absolutely no condemnation. For you have cast my sin as far as the east is from the west. I did that thing that I promised you 10,000 times that I would never do, and yet I did it again. And Jesus looks at you and says, love, love, you are mine. I cherish you. You, you are my son, you are my daughter, walk into my presence. He is like a father. He's like a father holding up a newborn baby and saying, there is nothing you can do, nothing you can do to make me upset. Yes, you will make a mess. Yes, you add nothing to my life, but I love you. That is how God, the Father, looks at all of us. And that should be our motivation for how we are trying to equip and use our time for the glory of God to center our lives on the gospel. Because if we don't do it rooted in the word, we will cosmetically create our own makeup and say, surely this is enough. And then you hear a preacher preach something, and you say, God, really? Do I have to do that again? That is not evidence. That is not evidence that you're enamored with the love of God, that you've taken within your heart, that you're plugged into the power source of God's vitality and love. Does, that, does it apply to you? Or, or let me ask this. Do you want that apply, to apply to you? Redeemer, do you want that in your heart? Do you want the power source of your life to be plugged into the vitality of God himself? Praise God for that desire. Then run to him systematically with us together. This is why the Lord has given the church the Lord has given us the church so that we don't have to try to figure out where all the plugs are like in a dark room. We can say, no, I've been here. I, I, I've walked this road before. It's right over here. Come to Jesus in this situation. Come to Jesus in this particular brokenness. Come to Jesus whenever you feel far off. Come to Jesus on the mountaintop. Come to Jesus when things are, are completely going wrong. Come to him. We need each other. We have to pursue him together. We have to grow in loving obedience towards him. So that's what it means to take away and to bear fruit. That's what it means when God, whenever he doesn't see that, he's just like, I, you don't need this branch. It's not producing anything. It's not adding anything to the life of the vine. So he will take it away and he will remove it. And he'll do this not because... Not because he's mean or ugly or angry. He will do this because he's doing the right good thing in your life. 
So, are you walking in loving obedience to the Lord? Are you walking in loving obedience to the Word? Uh, to the, word? The, the way that you know that is track in the last month. How many times, how many times you have said, Lord, this time, whether it's five minutes or an hour and five minutes, this time is wholly devoted to me connecting with you. Can you chart that in the last month? Because remember what we said, maturity, how we grow up into maturity. We grow up into maturity through intimate encounters with the Lord. It's the same way that we grow in relationship with him. Have you ever, let me illustrate it this way, have you ever found a really good gift for someone that you dearly love? Uh, like, I was like, this gift is perfect. Oh my God, this is exactly what they're going to want. And you're so excited. Why are you excited? You're excited because you finally say to yourself, oh, I'll be able to express. I'll be able to express the love that is in my heart uh, in a really faithful, communicative way to this person. And so you are not only excited about the connection that will grow in, your, um, in, in the giving and the receiving of the gift. You, it's changing you. It's giving you an excitement, right? Do you know how we give good gifts to God? The commands of the Lord are like a treasure chest of gifts that we can offer up to God. Our lives are living sacrifices, holy, pleasing, and acceptable to God. Do not... Do not pause or slow down in doing what is good, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God, Hebrews 13, 16. Did you know that you can please God with your obedience? I, I, I think I'm just now learning this, or this is just beginning to get rooted deep into my heart. I used to, I used to really faithfully said, you know what, because of this, uh, the sameness and the, the steadiness of Christ, there's nothing I can do to make God love me anymore and nothing I have done to make God love me any less. That is true in the gospel. But at the same time, did you know that dynamic relationship with God means that there is this interpenetration of elation between us and God? That's what it means to have uh, the life of God the life of God um, coursing through who you are. Do you get the point that I'm trying to make? There is a spiritual vitality that the Lord desires from us, church. And it is not do the checklist, sing the songs, use your gifts over here. It is life with God. The, the giver of life that can transform and change everything about your character. This is regeneration. This is new birth. This is life transformation. The old Cody is dead. The old Cody is dead. I'm alive with Christ, and I've been crucified with him. And the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. This is what obedience can do. Obedience over a long time will grow you into maturity and to show you the sweetness of the character of God and how it can be applied to your life. I want this for us, church. I want this for us. And yet, do, do you see the dynamic work of the forces of darkness in this world? What is it? The, the forces of darkness it has nothing to do with Washington, D.C. All right, the forces of darkness are keeping you, keeping you day in and day out from reading and abiding in his word. That's what's going on. Do you see how upfront and personal spiritual warfare is in your life? 
Do you understand it? Look at the evaluation of the last month. How many times have we failed over and over and over again? And how amazing is it that this God says, I love you still. May the power of the gospel transform how we think about putting on the full armor of God. May we wake up and say, we exist here at Redeemer Church to be a gospel-centered, disciple-making family. That means we have to obey the simple commands of God. And the simple commands of God are strap up, church. Strap up every single day. Because the enemy doesn't want you to abide in the Lord. The enemy wants you to ignore this passage completely. The enemy doesn't want you to have life which is truly life. But the God of gods, the Lord of lords, desires real life for you. Real life. Do you want that for yourself? Church, I want it for you. I desperately want this for you. I want us to be transformed and changed and shaped. And it's going to happen through growing in our love for the Lord and through through obedience to the Lord that we offer up our obedience as presence every single day to the Lord. Say, Lord, I I did this for you today. Not because I'm trying to earn my salvation, not because I'm trying to give you a bargaining chip chip to make me feel like I'm okay. No, I did this because I love you. And I only love you because you first loved me. This is what it means to abide. In, In anything in your life, church, right now, it's just like, man, this feels, this feels dead. Beg God just to take it away. That's what he does. I promise you he will take it away, Christian, eventually. But beg him to take it away now. That's what it means for the Lord to take away the branches that bear no fruit. This is my last point. He also prunes. He prunes. What does this mean, and how does he do it? This is going to be tough, but I think it's objectively true. It's corroborated by James chapter 1, that the pruning blades of God are your trials. I'm going to say that again. The pruning blades of the Lord are oftentimes your trials. Consider it pure joy brothers and sisters, when he faced trials of many kinds. Lord, why? Because he's pruning. He's pruning. You see, our trials wean us from the world and cause us to draw on the vine more deeply than we ever would just naturally. See, our trials press us into God. And, and there's two, two responses. There's this cosmetic response of just saying like, yeah, I know God's in control, but right now I'm mad at him. Or there's the real response of just saying, oh man, I'm bleeding at 100 points. My my life is shattered in this area, in this area, in this area. I would have never chose these circumstances to come about in my life. But listen, is that not the pruning blades of the Lord? To say, this was not producing fruit. I am taking this thing away. Why? Why would he take things away from our life? Because we thought that they were the true vine. We were trying to get our life from it. We were trying to get our life from it. We are trying to draw our life from the things that he was pruning, that he prunes and puts on the threshing floor, down, down on our feet. And he says, I will prune you so that you will draw more deeply on the vine. Do you see how that works? 
God will prune and cut away. Why? Because he wants there to be spiritual health and vitality in the branches. And the only way there's spiritual health and vitality is if we don't get distracted by the cares of this world, (laughs) but we focus all of our energy and effort in the power that comes from the vine. And this is true of every single situation. Coach, you remember in Remember the Titans, whenever, um, whenever Bloom says, Coach, we need a water break. We've been out here all day. And you remember what Herman Boone said to him? He blows a whistle, gets right in his face. He says, what did you say? He said, I need a water break. He goes, you need a water break. Water makes you weak. Water's for cowards. Water's for washing blood off that uniform. And you don't get no blood on my uniform, boy. You must be outside your mind. And then Coach Boone goes, we are going to do up-downs until Blue is no longer tired or thirsty. And you think to yourself, he's out of his mind, right? (laughs) This coach is out of his mind. You can't do up-downs until you're no longer tired or thirsty. You just die. That's That's all you're doing, all right? My kids, here's another illustration of pruning. My kids, at least once a week, will tell me that they're starving to the point of death. Dad, I'm about to die. I'm starving. Why don't you care about me? You don't care about me. You've never loved me. Clearly, you've never loved me because of the hunger pains that I'm feeling right now. They have had three meals a day, every single day of their life. Uh, I don't think they've ever eaten past like 7.30 at night. Uh, uh, What are they saying? They forget. They forget that I am their father who loves them and will always take care of them. And the trials of their hunger pains are not that big of a deal in the grand scheme of perspective of the entire world and their lives. And so I'm sure Blue with Coach Boone thought, what is this coach doing? He's killing us. My kids think, what is dad doing? He's killing us. Why, why, doesn't, why doesn't he care? I'm sure the vine or the branches think to the shears, to the vine dresser, what is he doing? He's killing us. There's no way we can survive this. But Coach Boone was preparing him for the fourth quarter. All right? I'm not doing anything to discipline my kids. They just forget. <laughs> they just forget. And so church, those are funny examples. But don't you think whenever the Lord is pruning us, don't you think whenever the Lord is bringing trials into our life, do we not act just like my kids? Say, God, what are you doing? You've never cared about me. Why why on earth would you allow me to do this? What is he doing? He's causing us to draw on the vine even more deeply. He's causing us to soak in to Christ in a way that we never would naturally by ourselves. God has not lost his mind. We are much closer in this analogy to my children than we are to me as a parent. Shouldn't the perspective of our lives, Redeemer, be that the God of all that is is working all things out for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose? And yes, I know how that sounds whenever you're suffering. Yes, I know. It doesn't mean it's not true. 
May we get the perspective of eternity and the grandness of Christ and say, he's working all things out for my good. He is pruning me in a way that I might not be able to understand now, but I will forevermore. Tim Keller says it this way, and I'll leave us with this. The vine dresser does not waste his pruning stroke. Nothing is cut off that was not a gain to lose or a loss to keep. Jesus is better. His ways are better than our ways. We can trust him because he's good and he's beautiful and he's loving. Press into him, church. Abide in him. The Lord is calling us to this. Abide in him. And if his words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. But apart from him, we can do nothing. Let's pray.